Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am so looking forward to today's episode. I get to interview a dear brother, a friend, someone who I know you're going to find profoundly inspiring. He's an internationally acclaimed uh, author, healer, teacher, philanthropist. Um, the dude is amazing. I'm, I'm actually not going to say too much about him because I want him to share a bit from his own perspective. But just know, you, if you want to elevate your life, if you want to heal and transform, um, connect to your purpose. He's a man who's deeply living his purpose. And I think what's amazing about him is he, he always has, you know, you meet, you meet people in the health and wellness field and you look at them and sometimes they're like, well, they don't seem that energetic. They don't, the, the, the chi, their vibe isn't vibing high. But this guy, every time I see him, big smile, radiant, light and energy. Um, welcome the legendary Dr. Fab, Dr. Fab Mancini. Welcome to Soul Talk. Well, thank you, my brother. It's so great to see you. And I've been looking forward to this because anytime you and I have a conversation, it's always transformational not only for ourselves, but anybody that gets uh, the opportunity to listen. So I'm yeah. excited and I know something great will come out of this. I feel it. I feel it. So look, we're talking about all things of the soul and, and living authentically. But as we dive into that, I have a bunch of questions for you. Uh, for those that may not know, I just kind of want a, a bit of an overview, just so people can get a sense of like, like who is Dr. Fab? Um, what inspired you to go into this field of, of, of whole, like wellness and medicine and helping people. And, you know, what was the inspiration for that growing up? You know, it's a very good question. And I would say the defining moment was when I was 16 years old, uh, I was born in Colombia, South America. We moved to Miami because my dad was going through alcoholism and my brothers and I and my mom moved to Miami to help him. And he did a, a treatment and he was fine for the rest of his life. But during that time, three years later, I went down to Colombia to visit my family and people came in at night while we were sleeping and robbed the house and we were almost killed. My mm. brother had, you know, a gun hitting his head and he had 24 stitches. I had bruises and they tied our hands and our feet. But anyways, the neighbor heard the commotion, called the police. We ended up in emergency. My brother was alive. Uh, I sat in that room and I realized that at 16 years old, it could have been the end of my life. And that's when you really, I believe, get in touch with your mission and your purpose in life. So two weeks later, after that experience, I have this vivid dream that I'm a doctor, that I'm a healer, that I'm serving millions of people around the world. So I go to my counselor in high school and I said, I'm gonna be a doctor, what do I need to do? And I was an athlete and a good student. 
But she said, no, you got to be a really good student to get into a good pre-med program. And so yeah. I started studying and applying myself even more, got accepted in one of the best pre-med programs in the country. Then instead of going to study medicine at Harvard and John Hopkins, I decided to become a doctor of chiropractic mm. because I had experienced chiropractic as a preventative holistic profession. And I realized that over 90% of the conditions that people deal with every day can actually be prevented by mm. simply changing their mindset and their behaviors. If they do those two things, they can pretty much reverse uh, or put in remission just about any condition out there. So over the last 35 years, I've dedicated myself in that space, not only as a provider for 10 years with a big practice in Texas, but also I was uh, the youngest president of a college or university in the United States at 33 years old. And now I took that program from one degree to 36 degrees in healthcare. And then I did that for 13 and a half years. And then I became a media personality. So mm -hmm. now I'm the health expert for shows like Dr. Phil, The Doctors, Fox News, and of course, all the Latin American networks because I'm bilingual. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've written four best-selling books. I just wrote my fifth one, which will be wow. out in three, three months. But the whole idea was this. I realized that my contribution to the world is what brings value to me. And mm. in order to find your purpose in life, you have to focus on your contribution and not what you can get out of things, but what you can put into things that matter. So what do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy being? What do you enjoy spending your time uh, participating or learning or, or fine-tuning your master or mastering your craft? That's what I focus on. And for me, it was actually finding anything that I could do to help that body and facilitate healing in that body. So I became a doctor of chiropractic, an acupuncturist, an energy medicine expert, a nutritionist, mm. anything holistically. I just wanted to study it, devour it, and then simplify it. And that's the reason that got me into the media, because I was able to take a complex subject and be able to give people practical applications of what they can do every single day to mm. try to improve the health uh, status of their condition. And that's the space that I've been over the last 35 years. Amazing. Um, from what you've seen in 35 years in your observation, what are the, like, the main causes of getting sick, sickness, illness, disease? The main, uh, obviously, each case is different, but as a whole, are there certain things that like five things, seven things, 18 things that you see like here are the main, the root causes of, of disease? So, and I wrote about this in my fourth book. It's called The Power of Self-Healing. It became number one in 12 countries. Uh, I'm still lecturing on that after 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it begins with the basic premise that most people do not understand or know that the body is a self-healing organism. Your body already has everything that it needs to heal itself, given the proper circumstances. So most people wake up every day feeling a symptom, then getting diagnosed with some kind of condition. And many of them even think they have to learn to live with that condition for the rest of their lives, or they have to take things and do things they don't want to do just to manage the symptoms. Well, when you go into the holistic realm, you realize that the root cause of the problem is the key to be able to solve any healthcare condition. It's not about managing a symptom. That's where healthcare systems have been for years 
And unfortunately, what's broken the systems of all the countries around the world. And in the number one reason why people go personally bankrupt is because of a health condition. And it's because they're approaching it from the wrong paradigm. Mm. You know, the paradigm is I'm just going to take whatever and do whatever to manage a symptom. The reality is, let's go a little deeper and let's find out what was going on when this first started. Was there something physical? Was there something emotional? Was there something spiritual that could have contributed to that particular condition and set of symptoms? And have you addressed it? Or is it something that you continue to do without even recognizing it that may continue contributing to your condition? I'll give you a perfect example. <clears throat> right now, the CDC has made a very clear uh, understanding that the obesity problem is the largest problem we have in healthcare because it's, uh, it's a, an expression of what we call inflammation. And mm. inflammation is the foundation for pretty much every chronic illness that we have out there. So obesity, what is it? So when you're overweight, when you are uh, your ideal weight up to 35 pounds, right? So you, you'll consider overweight up to 35 pounds of your ideal weight. Past 35 pounds, you consider obese. Mm. Now, according to the latest statistics, we have over 80% of the people in the United States, including children, that are overweight and obese. Over 49% in some states that are obese. That's 35 pounds and above. Wow. And in fact, Karen and I were walking yesterday. We live in, in our place in Dallas has a beautiful uh, shopping center, outdoor shopping center with these beautiful windows. And we were noticing that the mannequins now are plus size. They don't even have the, the theme mannequins in most of the stores. And these are all very nice stores. But if you go to Neiman Marcos, if you go to uh, Macy's, if you go to any of those stores, now you see that the norm has actually become the overweight and the obese. But what is the problem with that? The problem with that is that that's the precursor for many conditions like heart disease, which is our number one killer. And then the one that the CDC is very concerned about is diabetes, especially type two, which can actually be reversed by simply changing your lifestyle. Mm, mm, mm. So, so many questions, but one thing is like, why when something can be changed, let's start with the changeable stuff first, yeah. diabetes, lifestyle what what have you found is the reason that we don't do what we know we should do or need to do to change you know that is a very good question and what i find a lot of times is that people realize that uh, all of a sudden they know like i give you an example we talked about obesity most people know <clears throat> that if i just simply you know exercise a little bit more watch what I eat and maybe select mm. better foods, more greens, mm. less uh, refined sugars, less refined carbohydrates, uh, all of that. So why don't they do it? There's a couple of reasons that I would tell you. Number one is because we have identified through science that the emotional state of an individual dictates many times the outcome of that individual. So for instance, I may start a diet today and I may feel good about myself and I start losing five or six pounds and I'm really excited and I'm telling everybody about it. And then two weeks later, I have a big fight with my boyfriend and boom, I am mm -hmm. depressed, I am feeling bad. So what do I do? 
I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to that grocery store and I'm going to pick up the gallons of ice cream. I'm going to eat pizza and cheeseburgers and all the stuff that I shouldn't eat. I'm going to have dessert and all of that because an emotional uh, instability in that individual. So that's one thing we've identified when it comes to habits. So we allow our emotions, how I feel to dictate what I do. Mm. And the reality is you should do no matter how you feel like success, right? Many times when you people success, you interview a lot of successful people, they mm. will tell you that success is not easy because success is about doing what you must do regardless of how you feel. That mm -hmm. is the basic component of success. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to get up and do what I have to do to be successful today, even if I don't feel good about my fails, even if I feel unsuccessful today, even if I uh, know that I don't have hardly any money in my bank, even if I don't have any clients to serve, mm -hmm. you still got to get up and do the things you know you must do to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. But this is the one that I discovered many years ago, that is one that I deal with many of my patients with, and that is, am I worthy of being healthy? Mm. Am I worthy of being successful? I have found that the number one cause for people not to do the things they know they must do to be healthy, to be successful, to, to do all that, to have a great relationship, is that they don't feel they're worthy. And when you don't feel you're worthy, you unfortunately sabotage good things in your life, including your health. You will talk yourself out of eating that salad because mm. you will say, well, that pizza for today, what's it going to do to me? I'm already you know, obese <laughs> or overweight. And you talk yourself out of those things. So that will be the second reason. Mm. The third reason is very beautiful, in my opinion, because we make decisions today for the benefit of tomorrow. And right now we live in a society that most people unfortunately want what we call instant gratification. Mm -hmm. That means that I want that food that tastes good, but it's full of processed foods and dyes and high carbohydrates and sugar, all this stuff I shouldn't be eating, but it's gonna make me feel good for the moment. It's gonna fill me up, I'm gonna mm -hmm. be excited, but then what does it do tomorrow? It's gonna add probably two to three or four pounds to my scale, right? And I know that, but I still do it because so today it's gonna make me feel better. The people that are truly insightful realize that change is progressive. It's, it goes by little steps. So the choices you make today will make tomorrow better. And the choices you make tomorrow will make the next day better. And if you focus on that, all of a sudden now you have the formula pretty much to change any lifestyle that is right now keeping you from your optimum health. Mm. Beautiful. I love the way you just broke that down. I want to go to, to your first key about emotional state, right? Yeah. So in terms of emotional state, I think that's so, so important. What have you, what, what advice can you give to someone listening? And they say, Dr. Feb, I, I mean, I hear you, but I, I just can't help it sometimes. I just can't control myself sometimes. I just, you know, my emotions take over. And so are there any things that you can guide people in terms of how to, deal with their emotions as they arise so that emotions don't run them and control them? That is a great question. And I spent a tremendous amount of time researching uh, this topic and I wrote about it. And there's three, what we call healing emotions. The first thing that I would say to somebody going through that is, boss, embrace the emotion, whatever it is. If you are anxious, if you're depressed, 
if you're feeling low self-esteem, if all of a sudden you feel attacked by others or you feel judged by others, just take it all in. But let me tell you the secret of how to release them. The first one is forgiveness. Now, of all the emotions we study, we realize that forgiveness is the one emotion that allows us to release our past. So whatever happened in the past and you're still beating yourself for making those choices, like I should have better taken care of myself when I was in my teens and 20s. Now I'm 40 and I'm paying the price, right? If you all of a sudden you realize that you were experimenting with drugs and then that took a big toll on your brain cells and maybe mm. some of your body ability, stop it and then be able to say, hey, I can't change the past. So it begins by forgiving yourself and then being able to forgive whatever choices you made or people that hurt you, et cetera. So that's the one emotion that we have found that helps us to release the past. Then we realized that there was another emotion to help us release the future, which mm -hmm. is anxiety and all of the expectations that nothing is working, nothing is gonna work, I'm gonna stay like this forever, I'm never gonna make anything of myself, et cetera. And that is gratitude. The emotion of gratitude, right? It's one of the most powerful emotions and many people have written about it and many science studies have been done that when you wake up and you stay in a state of gratitude every day, you're focusing in what you have mm. and not what you want to have. Mm. So mm. we're grateful for these shoes that I have. They're not the nicest shoes that I have, but it keeps me from being without shoes. We're grateful for the apartment or the home that I have today. May not be the nicest in the neighborhood or even in my city, but it has a roof over my head and it keeps it from being outside, sleeping in the street. Or maybe I have a car that is not the greatest, but it takes me from point A to point B instead of having to take public transportation or even perhaps even walk. So mm -hmm. gratitude. And then the third one, which is the most powerful at all, is unconditional love. Loving yourself enough to recognize that you are worthy and no circumstance out there is um, should be given the power to make you feel negative, to make you feel anxious, to make you feel depressed, to give you low self-esteem, to make you feel judged, to make you feel resentment. You should, when you're loving yourself, you don't put up with any of those emotions because you realize that your state of feeling, you're the only one that can give permission for anything external to ever change that. And most people don't realize that they let circumstances define who they are. And smart people and people that are insightful, they realize that the circumstances have never defined a person. They only give us an opportunity to respond. And my response to that circumstance, no money, broken relationship, overweight, sick, you know, chronic illness, terminal illness, that circumstance, the way you respond to it is what's going to determine your state of feeling. And that is what makes you emotionally stable. Those three emotions, I'm telling you, there's more research on them. And I gave a wow. lot of research around it can change pretty much any state of mind of anybody that's really going through a difficult health condition right now. Powerful. Forgiveness, gratitude, unconditional love. Um, in terms of the gratitude part, I have, I have, some, I have a question there before we move on. Um, Okay, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm grateful for where I'm at. I don't have what, but I'm grateful for right now. So how can someone, because somebody might be concerned saying, well, how do I then stay motivated? If, if, if I'm not dissatisfied with where I'm at, how do I 
how do I have the motivation to keep driving forward? If I'm too grateful for where I'm at, wouldn't I get, Dr. Fab, won't I get complacent? And, and, and so that might be a concern for some people in terms of motivation as it relates to gratitude. And so uh, speak to that. Well, the one thing that I've learned over the years is that just like success mm. is an evolution, health is an evolution, mm -hmm. right? There's always different stages that you can reach. Uh, right now, for instance, I'm 57 years old and I'm reversing the clock. Right now, mm. all of my blood markups, my urine, all of my functional testing, my DNA, all of that is being transformed by the choices I'm making every single day. My goal is not only to be a very healthy 100-year-old, but to mm. even probably reach 120, uh, which many of us have the capability of doing. So mm -hmm. that is the one thing, it's an evolution. So I would say this, number one, being grateful doesn't mean that that's where you stay. It just means that your state of being for that moment is one that you're not gonna be constantly wishing that you were somebody else. Right. I often say to people, whenever we compare ourselves, we do the biggest disservice to ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. if I am somebody that is a 25 year old and I may not be as attractive, I may be a little bit overweight, mm -hmm. but I'm always looking at the magazine covers and all of the people on television and movies. And then I look at myself in the mirror every morning beating myself up because I don't look like that. Mm -hmm. And I may even go ahead and do some surgical procedures and mm -hmm. I'm still not going to look like that, right? Mm -hmm. That's the mentality of people. What I'm saying is learn to embrace your imperfections because how you mm -hmm. feel about yourself is what others are picking up, mm -hmm. right? Beauty, they say, is in the eye of the beholder. There is somebody out there for everyone out there, no matter how you are, mm -hmm. no matter how you look. There's somebody that will love you to no end. Right. And even in the worst case scenario, you'll attract somebody that loves you and is blind because <laughs> they could care less about what you look like because they can't see you. They just want to feel you. Mm. They want to feel your love, your compassion, your nurturing. Uh, so I would say and then the next thing is to recognize that your being always have a higher potential that we're living today. So you are living in a state of gratitude, but you're always <clears throat> in the pursuit of a higher level of being. So Freud said that happiness was something that only lived in the pursuit of something rather than in the arrival of something. Many people mm. say, I want to be happy. Or when I get that corner offer, I'm going to be happy. When I attract the right man or women, I'm going to be happy. Mm. When I get into my, my, my dream mm. house, I'm going to be happy. When I get that car or that purse or that TV that I want, I'm going to be happy. Mm. And what we realize is that happiness is never in a state of being it's always in the pursuit of something where you will find most people tell you that they find happiness so mm -hmm. i'm pursuing being healthy today so i want to reach higher levels of health so what is one choice that i can make today that will help me ensure that today tomorrow i'm going to be healthier than yesterday one choice what is one choice that i can do today that would ensure that my finances are going to be better tomorrow than they were yesterday. It could be saving $1. It could be putting $5 in your bank, in your saving. That's gonna be better than the day before, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or it could be my relationship. What can ensure that my relationship tomorrow, one thing that I can do for my partner, you know, it could be simply asking them, honey, is there something that I could be doing to be a better partner, a better husband, a better wife, a better girlfriend, a better boyfriend? It doesn't matter. Is there one thing that I could do for you? Most of the time when you ask that question, they may be shocked 
that you even asked it. Sometimes they will dismiss it and laugh about it. Oh, you're, you're perfect, honey. But when they really listen, they may say one thing. You know, honey, I'm going through a lot of pressure at work. And many times, you know, I don't think you, you are listening or being compassionate enough to recognize the pressure that I'm having in order to provide for our family. You know, so one thing you could do is ask me, honey, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? You know, uh, how was work? Um, is there something that I can do to help you, uh, you know, uh, when you come home? Is there something that I can do to help you feel better or, or, or you know, whatever? And that's something that we have a lot of our clients ask their partners. And now all of a sudden, that one question can now make a difference that now the partner can say, you know what? It's been a long day. I just need about an hour to get a good workout. I don't want you to feel like I don't want to be with you because I know you haven't seen me all day. I just need an hour to recoup or maybe to mm -hmm. do a brain tap and, and put some meditation or prayer or, or maybe go for a walk or maybe, uh, you know, do something just to get my body out of that intensity that I just went through in, in, in my day of work. Beautiful, beautiful. I just love the clarity with which you just communicate the, 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 the complex into the simple. So thank you. Um, you know, this, this might seem like an obvious question, but I, I want to ask it. Well, maybe not, but because we talk about health, right? Health, 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 be healthy. But it just occurred to me, like, what is health? What, what, how, like, how do you define health? Because we're going for this thing of like being healthy and I want to be healthy, but I'm curious, like, what do, we, what do you mean by like health? And how do we know when we're healthy? You know, it's interesting because one of the best definitions of health came from the World Health Organization. Mm. And what they say and how they define health is very unique. It's not your symptoms. They don't determine health based on what symptoms you have today, but it's your state of physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So I'll give you an example. When you're physically fit, right? And you feel like I'm at my best physically, meaning I have, you know, the tonicity in my muscles that I want. I have the shape that I want. I feel energetic. Uh, I feel, uh, you know, uh, I feel good about myself. And then emotionally, I'm in peace. I'm fulfilled. I'm happy. And spiritual, I'm at peace. You know, I, I feel connected with Mother Earth. I feel connected with something bigger than myself. You know, that's really how we define health. So what I tell my patients is always be looking for when it was your best state of being. You know, what was happening at that time? And some of them, it's funny because they go back. They say, well, I've never been as fit as when I was in college. I played football in college and man, that was my fittest. I was ripped. I was healthy. I was doing workouts every day, you know, and if, uh, or it could be somebody that, uh, you know, uh, went through a change and now all of a sudden they were putting emphasis. They, they went through a condition, right? That really taught them how to eat better or whatever. And now they went through a period in which they were the healthiest because they had to be so disciplined in order to conquer that condition uh, that they kept those habits and said, that's when I was at my best. You know, I was eating plant-based foods mostly. Um, I was uh, chewing my food multiple times instead of swallowing. I was having small servings rather than these Texas style servings that we have, you know, in our plates. Uh, I was eating 50% of greens 
in my plate rather than you know less than one percent nowadays in many plates so whatever that case may be when was your best state emotionally you know uh when i was uh, uh building my company you know i was just so focused i was excited even though i didn't have much economically man i was on purpose i was focused and and everybody around me was supporting me because i was on fire you know or when was somebody that was very strong spiritually it was something where maybe they lost a loved one and they had to go through that process of grief to identify that you know what nobody guarantees how long you're going to live here and that peace allowed me to then live every day like if it's my last day and it made me not take any relationship for granted so I keep my relationships because I nurture them just like a plant. You know, I give them sunlight, I give them water, and I'm able to keep those relationships long-term. And all of that, a lot of times we learn through a difficult experience, right? Like I told you earlier, it was that robbery that put me in the right path to recognize that there were no guarantees that I'm going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. So every night I go to bed, I don't expect to wake up. So mm. I have to do all I can do today, because hmm. I already think there's not going to be tomorrow. And even though my agenda may be full, there's no guarantee that I'm waking up tomorrow. Yeah. So if I want to be at peace, I go to bed every night in gratefulness. And I go to sleep understanding that I did the best I could with what I had. Hmm. You know, and that's anybody, no one can ask myself more than that. And I teach that to my children, no boss, no relationship, no parent, no grandparent can ever ask you to do more than you telling yourself, I did the best I could with what I had. And if you can honestly answer that and say, yes, I did, then you should feel good no matter what the outcome is. Mm. And, um, and that's what I've learned in my life is to really be selective with the choices that I'm making every single day because they ultimately will determine the outcome of the rest of my life. Mm. Powerful. Is, is everything is everything healable? You know, there might be some folks listening who have a condition or situation or diagnosis. And can, like from your perspective, can everything be healed? You know, there, there are folks out there, even in the metaphysical realm, like with your mind, you can heal anything if you believe enough. And I'm just curious, like, are some things unhealable? Are some things not meant to be healed? Or doing specific things, anything can be healed. That's a very good question. And it's interesting because if you look at the science, there's been studies that pretty much have shown that most conditions have healed at one point or another. If you look at some of the best-selling books on spontaneous healing and mm. some of those topics, you will see, like even in my book, I interview people that were terminally ill and I asked them, how did you heal? And mm. they would tell me, and it ended up being in three, four, uh, three dimensions. I did some things physically, I did some things emotionally and I did some things spiritually. And wow. then I started putting a story together and then I created a 21 day to self heal, a 21 day program to self heal where you can implement physical, emotionally and spiritual activities and mindset that people have proven can reverse a lot of the conditions out there that we're struggling with. But I'm gonna give you an example to answer that question. One day in my practice, I, I got a lady that was referred by her oncologist to me and she has cervical cancer and they had given her three months to live. 
So she came to my office and the oncologist knew me personally. And she said, Fab, there's nothing I can do for her, but maybe you can help her at least make those three months a little bit more meaningful mm. and enjoyable, right? So what I did is I started working with her about defining her condition. What did it mean? What is the value that cancer is giving me in my life? What is it making me think about? Not to victimize it, to, to victimize me, but to push me to become mm. a better version of myself, to do things better, not to go out there and, and split all my assets and say goodbye to everybody in my family and then you die much quicker, right? So I started working with her as to how do we determine the value of this condition? So I live by the principle that health issues come into our lives to actually for our benefits, not to do something against us. It's for mm. our benefit. If I'm right now diagnosed with the potential of having a heart attack or high blood pressure or something like that, it's a, it's a learning tool for me to say, okay, then what do I need to consider doing in order for mm. me not mm. to have that condition? And that's the way I train my patients. So then we started working with her and we did a chiropractic care, we did acupuncture, we put her on a diet that was really healthy for her body, for her type, she started doing. And she started feeling better hmm. and she went on remission. But then one day, seven years later, she died. So then I got invited to the funeral. And at the funeral, I got to meet her kids. Her hmm. husband I had met before because sometimes he would bring her or he would come with her. Never met her kids. And I'll never forget being in that funeral and the kids, especially one of them saying to me, my mom spoke so highly of you in our house. I just want to say thank you for giving her more time. Mm. And I said, honestly, your mom did all the work. Mm. All I did was point her in the right direction to recognize mm. that we didn't let any condition dictate our fate. Mm. You know, I, I, I don't like when I hear providers give life sentences to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like when patients come to me and say, they told me I'm going to have to learn to live with Lyme's disease for the rest of my life when I see people reversing Lyme's, you know, ongoing, you know, that I have to learn to live with high cholesterol for the rest of my life. Well, I have to learn to live with this condition. Nobody can determine how long a condition will be. Only the body can heal. Mm. So even as a provider, as learned as I am, mm. right, I can even determine that all I can do is try to stimulate and facilitate that body to become a greater healing agent, a healing organism to be able to propel that healing and hopefully reverse or put in remission any condition that you're going through right now. And that's really what I focus all my energy. Mm, it's beautiful. Stimulating the body to facilitate the innate intelligence. Right, um, because the body is the only thing that actually can heal. That's why when I tell patients, the most important thing in our relationship is the fact that you're going to have to get engaged because mm -hmm. it's like my dear friend, um, uh, Jack LaLanne used to say, oh. right? Legend. People want to hire me to do their push-ups for them in order <laughs> to be healthy. So I can do the mm -hmm. healing for you as much as I would love to do it. I can't do the healing. You're going to have to get involved. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to work with you to try to do the things that we know through science work 
we have track records of people getting better through these mechanisms and whether it's your mindset or whether it's your behaviors. And we're gonna work together to try to give your body the best potential towards healing. And that is can be a very fun year journey because you're gonna discover a lot about yourself. And, and that's the way I frame it. And then they get excited. And now, instead of me saying, hey, you got this condition, you're gonna have to learn to live with it for the rest of your life. And by the way, you're gonna have to take this medication that has tremendous side effect. And it's probably gonna make you sick most of the time, but that's mm -hmm. the only thing we got to give you. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me, that's a last resort, you know? Mm -hmm. Or even people that are considering surgeries, the track record in surgeries is terrible. Most surgeries wow. don't work. Wow. But people still do surgeries every well, day. Most surgeries don't work. Over 70%, especially back pain surgeries, neck pain, uh, neck surgeries, uh, hip surgeries, knee surgeries, they don't work. Wow. You know? And people still do it because it gives them short-term relief. Mm. I'll never forget so many patients over the years, 35 years being a provider, that would tell me, I wish somebody would have told me this before I did something drastically. Mm. Before I had them fuse my bones. Before I had them take my disc out of my spine. Before mm. I had them put screws and, and do something radical like that. Before I had them do a complete replacement of my joint, whether it's my hip or my shoulder. Uh, you know, or my knee, mm. you know? So to me, I always tell people, that's a last resort. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if, you, if you haven't investigated something that shows you the potential, mm -hmm. that there may be some other healing like stem cells, right? Stem cells, yeah. We have seen patients, uh, they are bone to bone in their knee. And within three months, they already have space in between. Within eight months, they already have almost a normal rate, uh, space that allows them to alleviate all of that pain that they have. Imagine wow. if that wow. patient would have had a knee replacement. Now they're having to replace the replacement after five years or so because the body can't adapt to something foreign. Imagine all your muscles, all your ligaments, the scar tissue that wow. is created every time you go inside the body. That's sometimes even more uh, painful than mm. the condition that you currently have. So I always tell people, Try to be as conservative as you can in your choices before you introduce something radical like a medication that has extreme side effect mm. or a surgery that may not work or may have potential harmful effects in the future because mm. all of those are risky. So yeah. let's go with what we know may be less risk, but has a great science and track record to work. And then if we exhaust all of that, then right. we can discuss those things. But most people don't because 80% of the providers are there that are traditionally trained. Mm -hmm. They're going to teach you what they were trained. It's not that they don't know, they don't want, they want to harm you. It's that they weren't trained mm. in, in a way that they can give you other options. Now, mm. if they're providers that are really open, they will say, you know what, as an orthopedic surgeon, this is what I can do. But why don't you go see my doctor of chiropractic down the street here? Maybe because he's holistic, maybe he can help prevent this surgery. Why don't you go see my regenerative doctor over here, a great integrity doctor that is doing some great work with stem cells? Or why don't you go over here to my physical therapist that maybe they can come up with something where they can retrain that joint to be able to function better without the pain that you're currently having? See, that would be to me the type of person 
that you would want to go to. So I often tell patients, it's very important that you get two or three opinions when you're dealing with a radical decision, but make sure that you don't do the opinions by the same discipline. Mm. So if I go to three oncologists, right, for my cancer treatment, I'm going to get very similar decision. But if I go to my oncologist, mm. and let's say I go to my nutritionist that specializes in reversing or re putting in remission cancer through some very like microbiotic diets or something like that. Or if I go to uh, an acupuncturist that has a way to balance the energies of the body and that has been uh, proven through science to support the immune system that can fight that cancer cell, you know, or, or something like that, then now I'm getting different options. Mm. And that's really what I recommend people to do. Make sure you get at least three uh, different opinions, but make sure you go to three different disciplines and make sure you also go to the disciplines that are holistic in nature because they're going to be the ones with the least side effects. Awesome. Great, great, great advice. I hope folks are listening um, to Dr. Fab here. He's, he's dropping gems, folks. He's dropping <laughs> gems. Last couple of questions. I know, I know time is valuable. Um, you talked about reversing aging, reversing your aging. Uh, I'm really curious in terms of like, what are you doing that you can share that, that you're doing regularly from, you know, maybe extremer, extremer things, complex things to just daily things? Like, what are you doing that you see is working in reversing your aging that you also feel? That is a great question. So on a personal basis, what I've discovered, and not only with me, but with many people that I know, is that number one, your mindset has to be one, that you can be healthy past 100. Mm. Most people have a developed mindset that as soon as you turn 40, it's downhill. Mm. I don't understand where that came from. At 57, my x-rays today look better than when I took it at, at 21. Wow. They actually have regenerated all my bones, all my days. I look like younger than when I was 21 when it comes to my physical skeletal system, my wow. discs, my ligaments, everything, my bones, no signs of arthritic behavior, nothing, right? But then you take somebody averagely at 40 or 45 and they look like they're going way downhill, right? Because mm -hmm. of the choices they made. Mm -hmm. So I believe it starts with your mindset. Mm. Right. And then the second thing I started looking at, what do people do that live past 100? Right. Uh, do. So that's where there's a good book out there called The Blue Zones, where yeah. they call it where these are areas around the world where people tend to live past 100. And what are some of the behaviors they do? So, for instance, one of the top behaviors that you do other than your mindset is you do a cold plunge every single morning. Cold plunge. It is, it's one of the most accelerating things you can do, but when it comes to reversing your age, it's been proven. I mean, mm. we got people in Norway going into the cold water or even Canada and other places like that. And all of those, one of the things that we have found is the cold plunge. Wow. Another one is that you need to be able to sleep. Mm. Sleep is one of the biggest things that we can do to reverse our aging because it allows our brain and our body to not only recover, from the previous days of stressors and hormonal imbalances like high cortisol levels, et cetera, you know? So you need sleep. So you need at least eight hours, but 10 hours will be even better. So really? that's one thing that everybody ten, can do. 10 hours? Yeah. Do you, like how much do you sleep? Between eight and 10. 
Wow. I go to bed at nine o'clock. I get up around five. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sleep. So, so that's one thing. The third one, rituals that I do is to exercise first thing in the morning. When you look at all the people that have lived past the 100, one thing that many of them have in common is that they physically move their body first thing in the morning mm -hmm. because it sets the stage for your body to function at a higher level. It gets your brain uh, producing the right type of chemistry to for let sure. your body function properly. It lets your organs begin to be active, etc. So that's one of the rituals that I do. Another one will be making sure that you're doing intermittent fasting. I adopted mm -hmm. that about four years ago. Mm -hmm. I eat one meal a day, and sometimes I go 20 to 22 hours because I discover most intermittent fasting experts will tell you 16. that if you can do 16 and eight, right? That's the typical thing. But what I discover is that once you pass 16, mm -hmm. 16 to 18, 18 to 20, 20 to 22, that does better than this first 16 that you did. Wow. It's like you 10x it. Wow. So that's why I kept it to one meal a day, right? I will have that meal later today. It's going to be probably 21 hours since I mm -hmm. ate last, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but that's kind of like one of the things that I discovered. Mm -hmm. When it comes to exercise, interval training, nothing is better for anti-aging that I've discovered than to go fast on an exercise for a minute and rest two minutes, whether it's running, whether it's uh, a treadmill, whether it's the bike, whether it's working out with weights, anything you do, just do it as fast and as strong as you can do it for a minute, rest for two minutes, do it again, mm. and try to do that seven to 10 times if you can, reps. Mm. If you do that, that's how the most, I was the, the provider for the Olympic committee for over 15 years. And I learned that from some of the top athletes in the world, that interval training is by far the most effective training that anyone can do. And they don't have to be long. They have to be quick and short and to the point. And that's how the body responds uh, extremely well when it comes to reversing aging. Wow. Of course, your nutrition, the more sugar you have in the body, the more inflammation, the less that you're going to be healthy. The is there any particular diet that you found that generally, or because everyone seems to be so different. Vegan works for some, but doesn't work for others, Every, you know? Yeah. Paleo works for some, doesn't, but I don't know if there's anything, any thoughts. And right now, that. the thing is that uh, there is a lot of people that would teach you that your nutrition should be based on your metabolic type. And there's mm -hmm. different metabolic types in the world. So there are some people that are going to respond well to the South Beach diet, as you know. There were a lot of people that still claim that the Atkin diet was the best diet mm -hmm. for them, no matter what you hear. There were other people that would say microbiotic diet or plant-based mm -hmm. diet is the best out there. I say, let's look at your genes. The, the other thing that I was going to say is, you know, Stephen Covey taught us a great lesson, and that it says, begin with the end in mind. Mm. So what I learned to do is do genomics, gene testing. I started doing that 12 years ago. Now that's become a regular thing in most providers' office mm -hmm. because right now, for instance, we have a test that would actually determine your response to just about every medication out there. Wow. So imagine, and you do it once in your lifetime. Imagine having that in your file where wow. your doctor is going to recommend a medication and you say, oh, doctor, here's my gene profile. And then now they find out that that medication would not have worked in your body. It could mm. actually kill you when mm. for another patient, it was perfectly fine. 
So we have that in our system. But the best one that I like is that now we have gene testing that determines what are the life, the right lifestyle choices that I must do in order to extend my lifetime wow. to the to the greatest level. And so where can people do, where can people do this gene testing for those listening? Do they go to the regular can, doctor, a clinic? Where like what? Yeah, you would ask Typically. your provider. Uh, there's a company out of Canada that is called the DNA, uh, the DNA company.com. They have one of the best reports that I've seen when it comes to your lifestyle. Uh, <clears throat> but pretty much any provider can do that. Wow. Uh, and is it that you have to go there or you swab something? No, it's a swab. Most okay. people will do it in their practice. Uh, look for, I, I look for functional uh, medicine doctors, people okay. that are either yep. MD trained or <laughs> chiropractors acupunctures, naturopaths that are holistic in nature. They're the ones that are doing most of the gene testing out there. Mm -hmm. But now gene testing has become very prominent in the medical community. So you can find us. So that's another cool. uh, wonderful opportunity. The one that I can tell you that right now I'm playing with like crazy. So I have a system that is called hydrogen water. And it's a purifying system because there's over 1200 studies that have shown that hydrogen is the key factor that can actually reverse your aging and make you feel healthy. But then they also can put frequencies, right? Mm. We have the energy medicine world because of quantum physics expanding. So right now I have a machine here that does uh, vibration, but with frequencies to reverse pretty much any condition that I may have. I have water that has frequencies. I have uh, uh, iPads that have frequencies that I can put around my body with little coils. So frequency is really an incredible way mm -hmm. to be able to reverse conditions that are creating problems for you, but also to extend your lifestyle. And then I would end with one that is one of my favorites, and that is brain tap. Because when I did my book, I showed the science behind meditation and prayer. What I like about brain tap is they have 2,400 uh, uh, programmations that you just put a headset with uh, goggles and it has LED lights in your ears to stimulate your acupuncture points and in your, in your eyes. And then it has frequencies in the sounds and it has over 2,400 programs that you can pretty much release any stress, anxiety, uh, people that are children that are autistic. I mean, it has all these programs uh, that I love that. And wow. my kids say it was the best present that I gave wow. them and it's not really wow. expensive. So wow. my mindset work, is critical for you to live longer. You have Amazing. your mind, your body follows your mind is the key, mm. right? Most people don't realize that mm. my mind needs to be receptive mm -hmm. so my body can do the things that my mindset is possible doing. But if my mind is limited and I feel that my body is going to get sicker as I age rather than mm -hmm. better, right? Mm -hmm. That's a paradigm shift or that my body cannot heal this condition, I'm already limiting the healing capabilities of my body. Mm -hmm. But if I wake up every day and say, oh, my body has already healed it, I'm already healed, then those affirmations can turn into healing. Just like the beautiful book, you know, from Louis Hay that revolutionized the world, yeah. you can heal your life. I mean, that was many years ago, Classic. but it changed thousands of lives around the world. Now we have the science that actually proves what Luise was saying many mm. years ago. So mm -hmm. those are some of the, the hacks that I've the been hacks, able to I identify. It. I love uh, it. That make a big difference. Amazing. I'm going to check in with you about some of these. These are awesome things. Uh, 
Final quick question, Dr. Yeah. Fab. Um, first, before we ask the final question, it's very simple. Where can people find you? I want people to connect with you, connect with your work, get your book, like you know, The Power of Self-Healing. Where can people find you? What's the best website? And uh, You know, it's interesting online. because I, I do television, I do podcasting, uh, I do radio. I have, you know, a mentorship program that I mentor 100 CEOs right now. But if you just go to my website, drfabmancini.com, D-R-F-A-B-M-A-N-C-I-N-I.com, you can find everything I'm doing there. And you can actually subscribe to my newsletters, which I give every week. I give you tips on how you can improve your health and well-being uh, and also your life in ways that you never thought were possible. Amazing. Folks, check it out. We'll put all of Dr. Fab's links in the show notes. I highly, as you can tell, this man is a fount of wisdom. Um, so generous with your, your you. wisdom and learnings and life lessons. And, you know, it's taken, what, a lifetime to sort of uh, extract this and, and, and live it. And so he's so generously sharing it. And so I encourage all of you to connect with him. His website is in the show notes. And check out his book, The Power of Self-Healing. You said you have a new one coming out soon, so we'll have to have you back for that. Final question is simply, and this can be bullet points, if you were, and you've shared so much, so some might overlap, but if you were to think about the three most important life lessons that you've learned, doctor, husband, father, businessman, chiropractor, everything, um, and you were to sort of distill the three most important life lessons from your life, that if you could only pass these life lessons to the next generation that would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most as a gift, what would you, what are the three bullet points, the three keys that you would share? I would say the first one was make health a priority in your life. And I define health physically, emotionally, and spiritually uh, because your health uh, can determine the quality of your life. Uh, it's the one area that impacts everything in your life. Yeah. You can have all the money in the world. Like I have right now billionaires that will give everything back if they could just have their health again, yeah. you know, you can't buy health. Yeah. The second one is the lesson that I learned the hard way. And that is to live every day. Like if it's your last day, make mm. sure that there's no regrets in your life. Make sure that you're living life to the fullest. Don't live for tomorrow. What you could do today. Make sure that everyone you love knows that you love them. Don't, don't assume that they know, mm. right? Mm. Uh, make sure that you're giving your clients the best of you every single day. Don't assume that they're going to be there tomorrow because they may not be. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your community, your church, your synagogue, your temple, that you're giving <clears> back <throat> and, and make sure that you base your life on contribution more than anything because that's what determines the value of your life. And mm -hmm. lastly, I would say one of the greatest lessons I learned in my life, and that is not to live life on survival mindset, but in service mindset. I learned early in my life that I can wake up every day thinking about the things that I need, that's called survival, or the things that others need, that, come, that, be, that means service. I want to wake up every single day making sure that I'm contributing to the needs of those around me, whether it's my mm. significant other, my children, my parents, my community, my, my employees, my, uh, my customers, uh, you know, everything that I serve, just serve. And what I realized is that when you live your life in service, they will never be survival. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest secret in the world. When you live your life in service, you will never live in survival. Right mm -hmm. now, according to statistics, it shows that over 80 to 90% of the population around the world is living in survival, day by day, making ends meet. 
trying to just make it another day, whether it's physically, financially, emotionally, whatever the case may be, just making it one more day. That's not life. You know, life is about you deciding how you choose to live your day. And then you make that in a way that serves others. And when that serves others, automatically it will serve you in ways you never thought were possible. So those will be the three things that I would tell somebody just powerful, you know, powerful folks. You heard it when you live your life in service, you will not be in survival. So go out and serve everyone. Dr. Fab, love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. You're an amazing, you're a legend in my heart and eyes. And so bless you folks. Check out Dr. Fab's website. Check the uh, link in the show notes. Check out his work. Check out his book. Uh, share this episode with everyone in your life that you feel would benefit. And I will catch you in next week's episode of Soul Talk. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.